This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. It's the 101st edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Thank you for joining us. A really short open this week because we've got a long conversation with the incoming mayor-president of East Baton Rouge Parish and the city of Baton Rouge, Sharon Weston-Broom. In our conversation that you're going to hear in just a moment, we talk about her priorities for the parish. We talk extensively about traffic. We talk about crime and law enforcement and the big discussion over who the next police chief will be. She speaks candidly about uh, her meeting with Carl Dabity without betraying any of the confidential nature of that discussion. I ask her about why she uh, wants to replace him. She talks about the kind of police chief that she will be looking for. We get into a discussion about community policing, what that means to her. We talk about North Baton Rouge, and we talk about education here in East Baton Rouge Parish. It is a very interesting discussion, and I hope you will enjoy it. So uh, without further ado, we just want to tell you, though, quickly, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes if you are an Apple user. You can do that on the podcast app for Apple. If you're a non-Apple user, you can get the show weekly here at podcast225.com. Up next, my conversation with Mayor-Elect. Sharon Weston-Broom, here on The Clay Young Show. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. She is the mayor-elect for East Baton Rouge Parish, actually the parish president and the mayor of the city of Baton Rouge, former legislator, former member of the city council, Sharon Weston-Broom. How are you? I'm doing great, Clay. Uh, I'm glad I am back here on the Clay Young Show. Uh, show and uh, more importantly I'm glad I'm coming back as the mayor elect all right so we when we when you walked into the room I said how do you feel I walked into my building and you said well I feel like I'm the mayor that's pretty much the way you ought to feel this morning yeah Uh, so you know this election this year was a bit different because of all of the things that have happened in Louisiana in the Baton Rouge area and then of course so many local and state level political races were obscured by the presidential election that just seemed to have sucked the air out of the room. And your race only really picked up steam with the attention of the public in maybe the last 14 to 21 days before the race. Now that it's over and you look back at the election, and this will be the only election question I ask, when you look back at the election, what are your thoughts? Well, I have said uh, on a number of occasions that this election will probably be a good case study for anyone studying political science. Okay. And the reason I say that, Clay, is because it was a very uh, unique, non-traditional campaign. So what do I mean by that? I mean that um, most campaigns, you know, while I started laying a foundation 
almost two years ago, uh, the fo folks really didn't start focusing on it until 2016. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, we had so many challenges right. that took place right. that really put the campaign on pause. Yeah. For example, the Alton Sterling uh, shooting. Mm -hmm. You couldn't campaign when that was going on. No. You know, that would that would have been out of order. Yeah. Then the uh, killing of the police officers. Right. You couldn't campaign when that was going on. That right. would have been out of order. Right. And just after those incidents were over and people were trying to move back uh, to the center, if you will, mm -hmm. then we had the great flood of 2016, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which once again, you had to put that on pause. Right. I really had to regroup and put it on pause because I was impacted by the flood. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I think I found that out when you were here a month or so ago to do the show that you said your home had been flooded as well. So let's get into this coming year. This, I think, in so many ways will be the most a trying year for an elected that Baton Rouge has had in some time. You think about Katrina, we got peripheral collateral damage. New Orleans got the bulk of that damage. We had people come up here because they were you know, pushed out of their homes by the storm. Three years later, when Gustav hit here, it was a big wind event. People had trees down and there, was the, there were the power outages here, but we were able to overcome it. This year, it's worse. It, the psychological devastation of the summer, the month of July, mm -hmm. and then the psychological and physical toll taken on the city after the great flood leaves you to figure money for running your city and money for the parish. What will the citizenry look like in 2017? How many people will stay? Uh, how many people will stay from Livingston? How many people will leave EBR and go someplace else? So how do you prioritize these items in your to-do list? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, I've been giving it a lot of thought, and I believe that uh, flood recovery has to be a priority. Okay. Because there, uh, while there is a certain population that was impacted by the flood, mm -hmm. uh, it certainly has a broader impact on us as a city and a parish. Yeah. And so one of my top priorities will be uh, and I'm scheduled to do that like right now almost, yeah, yeah. is to meet with the governor okay. uh, because there is money coming down from the federal government. A mm -hmm. lot of it will uh, come through the state to the local level, mm -hmm. but hopefully my conversation with the governor will help us expedite that and, and perhaps make uh, get a conduit so it comes directly to local government. Um, my other priority as it relates to flood recovery is to make sure and, that the money is used to put people back into their homes. I think that has to be a priority. Mm -hmm. I was once asked about um, you know, drainage issues surrounding the flood, yeah. fix the drains first yeah. and the people. But the truth is um, we have to get people back in their homes. Yeah. And as you alluded to, if we don't, it will have a far-reaching impact for years to come. No question. Economically. Yeah. Uh, and so we don't want to be a ghost town here in mm -hmm. our city, in our parish. So I am very committed to not only working with the governor, but with our congressional delegation. Uh, I, I've sent letters already to 
to HUD uh, mm-hmm. to talk to see how we can uh, work with um, our Office of Community Development to make sure that we improve that area. And, and so it's going to be uh, at the forefront of my agenda and certainly making sure and encouraging uh, our local businesses to be a part of the recovery that's effort. A, that's going to be a big, big part of this because I've got friends and clients who lost homes and or businesses. I mean, people who had four feet of water. I mean, there's some businesses that had to let people go because they couldn't generate any profit to take care of their employees. And then their physical brick and mortar structure was, you know, turned upside down and they're, they've gotten little help speak specifically. Cause there are two, there are two things that come out of what you said, speak specifically to business owners here who have some concern about where Baton Rouge is headed and particularly where Louisiana is headed in the aftermath of all of the legislative sessions mm-hmm. this year, the increase in taxes, businesses feel like they're going to be under attack from government. Mm-hmm. So how do you assuage those concerns? Well, first of all, I, I want um, um, business owners, and particularly I'm going to say small business owners, yeah. because Clay, as you realize, those small businesses are really the ones that drive our economy. No question about it. And so I am going to make sure that um that we first of all hit the ground running and take immediate action. I want to uh, improve our overall business clim- climate. I'm going to appoint a new business development team and director. Uh, I want to make sure that we cut out the red tape so that um, the permitting process, I've heard that a lot, uh, and the review process to get small businesses open and put people to work, that we cut out that red tape. Uh, and, and I want to uh, host public hearings as it relates to the industrial tax exemption that mm-hmm. came up a lot during the campaign, have some business roundtables to really identify the challenges and find the solutions. And I'm going to include leaders from all sectors, small and large businesses, uh, minority and women-owned businesses, yeah. oil and gas, finance, you name it. And so those are some of the priorities. I'm going to include the people who are at the core uh, of this challenge, the business owners, in crafting our future for economic development. What can they expect as an outcome of, mm-hmm. of some of what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. I think that they can, hopefully, the outcome will be um, that they will be up and running and that they will find a friend in the mayor's office who's committed to economic growth and development and making sure that these small, especially small businesses, become a part of the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to do that, you have to, I believe, open up doors. Uh, and when I say that, Clay, I mean, give people access to information and how yeah. they become a part of it. You know, it's there are three major there are lots of them, but among the major issues that impact the success uh, and or failure of a business start with traffic, <laughs> people getting around. Oh, yes. There is also the issue of finding an educated slash uh, uh, interested workforce because mm-hmm. you, you exactly. need that uh, in the city. And then education. 
Now, as mayor president, you don't have any political impact on what the East Baton Rouge school system does. But I believe the person who sits in the chair that you're going to occupy after the 2nd of January has to be Baton Rouge's biggest and best spokesman for the things that we care about. Spokesperson. So let's first start with traffic. You know, everybody's mad right now, right? Because you can't get anywhere in Baton Rouge quickly. I know. know. So what are you going to do about that? Well, I've I've been very consistent. And one of the things, Clay, that I want to do is to fulfill those things I spoke out of my mouth during the campaign. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) So that's that's where we're going to start with. All right. And and so throughout my campaign, I talked about, uh, first of all, we've got to identify, and I want citizen input on this, but the price tag, I believe, will drive part of the decision. Um, There were four recommendations given by a crisis, the group that focuses on transportation now. Most of those recommendations, as you well know, are interstate driven. Yeah. So we we pick one of those. We get that up and running Mm -hmm. and probably the one with the lowest price tag, because right now we recognize really to deal with traffic and and really alleviate it. We almost have to implement everything that they recommend. Right. So that we so but we'll start off with one. But in the meantime, Clay, I think it's very important that we update the parish transportation plan, have community input on that, and which includes all modes of transportation. Um, you know, I was really disappointed by the failure of the green light plan too, because in that plan were uh, some opportunities for capacity projects mm-hmm. that I believed would have advanced the connectivity of our uh, of our city and parish. People felt squeezed, though. I know. And I think I'm because, just saying I was disappointed, sure. but I understand some yeah, of the rationale. Right. <laughs> and Greenlight has been a success. I don't think that people can... You can't say it wasn't a success. We've seen roads being built. If you're realistic, a lot of what's been done with green light was necessary. But I just think people are so afraid now because so many don't know if they're going to be back in their homes. Right. And they don't want to hang something else over their heads. I think it was a timing issue. Oh, I agree. And I've had a number of conversations with people uh, about it post-election. Sure. And while it was certainly a good plan, I think uh, one of the challenges came when, as you said, when people look at what they're dealing with in terms of trying to get back in their homes, mm-hmm. and most people are not getting or receiving the financial uh, provisions that they need from either their insurance companies or nor the federal right. government. And right. so when they look at that, they're like, uh, not right now. No, you know, so right. I, I totally get it. Yeah. But it still was a good plan mm-hmm. to help connect our, our, our streets. And so what we will find out, though, Clay, is that there were a few projects that were left in that green light plan from phase one yeah. that are are already committed. So they will be on a uh, pay-as-you-go basis. Right. But let's go back to what you talked about. So I talked about crisis mm-hmm. and implementing an interstate project. Mm-hmm. And then I believe that while we wait on that to take place, we still have to alleviate traffic. You know, I was on a show uh, one day and a gentleman called in and he said, you know, what about expanding a certain street or road, which I thought showed uh, some very uh, showed initiative and showed that this citizen was, you know, thinking beyond interstate travel. Sure. And so there are opportunities mm-hmm. through our our streets, through connecting our streets or broadening our streets that will allow us uh, to open up travel. Uh, like where? Uh, like we're here. My office sits yeah. on Blue Bonnet, and right. 
and any given time during the day, not just rush hour, it'll sit back from Blue Bonnet mm-hmm. uh, almost to Highland for you know 15 minutes. Yeah. It'll just be, I mean, it takes you forever to get from where I am to the interstate. And so that's just me over here. I'm yeah. sure there are people all over the city who could say that. What, where will be your priority as it relates to mm-hmm. that? Because the interstate is a bigger, it's a bigger thing that you oh, yeah. alone can do as mayor oh, yeah. president. But the streets of Baton mm-hmm. Rouge, where will be yeah. your priority? My Please pri- don't say downtown first. No, no, no. <laughs> now you know I'm not going to say that. No, I would say that we have to start in the southern quarter of the parish. Okay. Because that is where most of the congestion right, is. Right. And I don't think anybody denies that no. when you look at it. Yeah. Because um, I have learned firsthand by relocating uh, with my daughter while sure. we get our house fixed, mm-hmm. who lives right down the road from where your office is mm-hmm. on Corsi Boulevard. Right. If you try to get from this quarter to the northern oh, quarter, man. the congestion is right there. It's yeah. right here, yeah. and it's right, if you go on the interstate, it's, it, yeah. it's right between, you know, let's just say Blue Bonnet and, and the downtown area. Right. And so I would say that all, that our projects should certainly start in this, this quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, there are... There are some uh, projects already, as I said, in the Greenlight program. For example, Lee Drive. Yeah. Lee Drive is, is, is set to be, to be expanded. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the complete streets, not only, and this goes to transportation, not only will you be talking about, let's just say, expanding a, a Lee Drive, uh, but you will also talk about how you maintain the integrity of neighborhoods. Sure. You'll also talk about how you have sidewalks for people to walk on, mm-hmm. how you have bike paths for, right. for people to travel on. And so um, I'm, I'm glad that we still have some uh, projects that are will be initiated in the complete streets program. I'll tell you something else that's a priority. We're still talking about transportation. Yeah. And I'm, I happened to mention this to the governor uh, uh, earlier on during the campaign. Uh, because state government is one of our largest employers here in the city and parish. Yeah. So I believe that some of our larger employees, or employers rather, should consider flex time. And huh. that may help us if everybody's not getting off. Now at explain the, same the concept of, of flex well, time. I'm, for example, if I don't know, some people, uh, a lot of state government gets off at 4.30. Right. So maybe we... We, you know, have uh, stagger that where some people may get off at 3.30 or come in earlier. Some people may get off at 5.30, come in later. And that way we don't have a deluge and such volume traveling at the same time. But you mean specifically with government offices? Well, I think, you know, I believe the biggest biggest industries that... um, um, travel our roadways should consider it now i know <laughs> how do you know, talk them me, into that but wait a minute like, so so you know i i they're concerned about traffic as well now for example you, you have some industries like um some of our plants sure and the truth is some of them do have hours that are different from the traditional nine to five right. hours but certainly we have to assess where a lot of our traffic is coming from mm-hmm. um, there was a study done that shows that there are about 144,000 people that travel into Baton Rouge yeah. that commute on a daily basis yeah. and so one of the uh, initiatives that I talked about in the campaign in addition to complete streets connectivity in addition to 
improving our public transportation system and making, and making it an alternative mode of transportation instead of for a uh, fragment seg- segment of our community. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I've also said it is going to be uh, very important that we um, in addition to in addition to the complete streets that we look at all types of modes of transportation. You know, you mentioned um, downtown. Well, I think you saw last week uh, the zip car uh, that was implemented. Yeah. That was, you're not, you don't look too excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that doesn't help you, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that we got to look at everything. And I do think you have to, I think you have to be reasonable when it comes to ideas. For me, the biggest issue with downtown is actually not congestion as much as it is parking. Parking. That's another issue. That's the thing for me. Getting into and out of downtown, I really don't have much of a, of a problem with it. Getting there may be an issue, Mm -hmm. but once you're there, it can take you 20 minutes to park. And I like being on time for everything. So I got to leave 30 minutes earlier than I normally would so that I don't have a problem parking. I want to go back to something you said about the idea of staggering times. So much of what happens congestion wise is on the interstate. I mean, that's where the biggest issue is. If people can get to and from downtown without the interstate, uh, they do it. Like I don't go downtown if I can help it through uh, on the interstate. I'll go through LSU to just avoid it, Mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. I do business in Shreveport and Bossier. Caddo and Bossier have three loops they in the area. Loops. They have loops. How if we talk about being behind in so many areas, the capital region even trails Caddo and Bossier. So we've got a so how do you build consensus among yeah. your fellow parish presidents and mayors to at least come to the table to have a realistic conversation about a loop here? Well, that I, that's easy, Clay. Okay, that's well, tell really, me yeah. all about it then. Well, because when we're going to look at traffic not only from a a Baton Rouge or East Baton Rouge Parish perspective, mm-hmm. but I am definitely going to engage the uh, parish presidents of the surrounding areas. And guess what? I had a conversation with one the other day, uh, and we're we all recognize that really what's taking place in terms of this capital region is something that everyone, as it relates to uh, traffic and transit, everyone is concerned about. It's a priority. So I believe that when we come to the table and meet with the parish presidents, I already, you know, know because of their concerns surrounding traffic, that we will uh, have consensus around projects that we can all sign off on that will equally impact our concerns for alleviating traffic and congestion. You think now, you can pull them together? You keep saying the loop now. Well, that's just know, one option Yeah, there. that's one uh, yeah, option. Yeah. And so I, th- I think what we do is look at the options, uh, once again, that we can get the most dollars wrapped around, yeah. and secondly, that we can build consensus. Certainly, whatever we choose or whatever direction we go in will give us some relief. You know, yeah. this didn't happen overnight, oh, this no. whole traffic situation. Yeah. And, and the truth is, as you well know. Can't fix it overnight. Right. And if we, we've been talking about a loop for 25 oh, my years. Gosh. And, you know, we committed the money to the timed project from almost 30 years ago mm-hmm. that built this bridge out in the middle of nowhere between Point P and West Feliciana. It runs from LA1, I believe, in Point P mm-hmm. over to Highway 61 in the middle of nowhere. You got to drive 30 miles to use it. And... That kind of, you know, recalcitrance to just common sense and saying, 
do we really need to spend all this money over here when the I-10 shrinks from three lanes to two lanes to one lane just over the Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Can't unscramble those eggs. Right. So then you said you can build a consensus. You can get mm-hmm. these guys together and mold consensus. Mm-hmm. Without saying what we can expect out of it, can you tell us that we will get something out of it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just say right now we've already – we already have a commitment from the Department of Transportation and Development as it uh, relates to the widening of I-10 in that area. At, at Washington? Washington? Yeah. yeah. So we all that, that's a good start. When right will there. that happen? I, I don't know the date on that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the date on that, Clay, but it is, it's on the drawing board, I promise. How mean are you willing to be to these people? How mean? Yes, mean. Yeah. How mean are you willing to be to these people to make certain that your now, parish gets taken care of? Oh, listen, I, I will certainly be demonstrative, okay. but I will tell you, I will certainly be demonstrative. I'm from the school of, and I know you know this well, of how to win friends and influence people. So that is what I'm all about to get to uh, move in the direction that we right. to benefit our city and so our parish. Because that's going to be the biggest thing you run into people asking about traffic. And, yeah. and uh, you mentioned transit, cats. Mm-hmm. Cats has been a hot potato for oh, politics. Yeah. Let's take the politics out of it. Yes. You can't be a major city without a bus, without a transit system. So the argument about closing cats to me is ridiculous. You can't say we want to be a great. American city and not have buses, right. not have or some form of transportation. Mm-hmm. Having said that, have you taken a look at it to decide if what they have is the most efficient use of resources for East Baton Rouge Parish and the city of Baton Rouge? Yes, I have. In fact, uh, I had a conversation. Well, let me let me back up first. During the campaign, I um, I had a um, press release has made a statement in the press saying that I wanted them to wait before um, the next mayor uh, was elected before they decided on a new chief for cats. Yeah. I said that because I thought that it's very important that who, whomever the uh, executive would be, CEO, would be in sync with whoever the mayor right. uh, would be. Uh, that didn't happen. Do you know Bill DeVille? I, but I, one of the things I did is I went to meet with Bill DeVille. Okay. Because I'm very the cats is has to be an integral part of our transportation of our traffic relief equation. And people and, hate it. And, and, and yeah, so <laughs> I mean it's the truth. Yeah, I mean yeah, I, yeah. I generally so, like word economy. Let's cut right to it. People, yeah, yeah. not everybody, but yeah. lots of people hate it. And and so I will tell you when I met with Bill Deville that. He has uh, some plans on the drawing board that certainly are in the direction that we need to go in. Could you give us a... Well, for example, we talked about the possibility of, uh, you know, while there's a, a, for example, a a tram, we don't want to talk to Mm -hmm. the tram going there. Well, he's talked about the potential of having, like, let's just say on a plank road, the the, uh, buses that travel like... Um, trains like they're, you know, on the um, ground. You mm-hmm. see them mm-hmm. when I say on the ground. Of course, they're on the ground. But, you know, it's almost like they're on a rail. I forgot exactly. Houston has it, a lot of those. The, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he's talked about that. He's talked about, uh, you know, s- smaller buses. He's talked about incorporating some uh, like Uber mm-hmm. into the uh, scenario. Which would be smart. Smart. Yeah. So yeah. he's got a lot of smart ideas. Now, as you well know, Clay, it's going to be incumbent upon the cat's board to be to go along with a 
a, a, a new vision and uh, a model for change. How, how comfortable are you with uh, that? Well, I, I, I would hope that, um, and th- there are some board members on, new board members on there, who I, I, I believe get it when it comes to, um, you know, planning. And, and Jim Brandt knows public policy that's, that's, as yeah, well exactly. as anybody who's yeah, ever served yeah, on yeah, that board. That's exactly what Jim Brandt is a brilliant yeah. man, and he gets, yes. you can't lie yes. to him when it comes to policy. Right, He's right. going to find it. You're absolutely yeah. right. So yeah. I, I'm optimistic. Yeah. I mean, and the truth is, as you well know, um, Katz only has a certain window yeah. before that. Tax and it's going to be hard yeah, right. to get that. Renewed. So if there if there are not some significant changes mm-hmm. that take place in terms of the redesigning of cats, they will have a challenge. What about the the bus fleet? Because there isn't a week that goes by that you don't hear something about a yeah. cat's bus being broken down someplace in the city. And it's an aging feat, uh, fleet. Old vehicles exactly. break down and, and they can be more expensive to maintain and keep on the road than often to replace. Uh, you know, what about the, that? That's on the drawing board yeah. for him as well. We talked about the fleet. So One of the things that they have worked to get is riders of choice, people mm-hmm. who choose to ride the bus. Mm-hmm. I think that there is something about that that may be difficult for them to fix, and it's through no fault of their own, to get someone who can drive somewhere to, just, to choose not to take their car and to get on a bus someplace and ride. That's hard. Uh, the Touchdown Express that they did for LSU was always a success because people can get in and out of there. Are there more ideas like that on the horizon? There are. And um, and that's what has to take place for us to elevate CATS where it is considered an alternative mode of transportation yeah. for you mm-hmm. or for me. Yeah. And, uh, for example, I spoke with someone uh, over near St. Joseph's. I want to say St. Joseph's Academy, and mm-hmm. I think at one time they had a a, a bus or a trolley. Yeah, it might have been a trolley that traveled over in that area. And one of the uh, folks over there told me how they loved that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I believe, but it was it was a limited opportunity, yeah. like it was a short window when that. So when if people know, and this is where technology comes in, if people know what time the bus is going to come, yeah. if the routes are relative, if the, if the fleet is operative, mm-hmm. then I, if people like the mayor and Clay Young just <laughs> get on the bus one day to show people it's expedient and it's an alternative, that's how you build and change the dynamic of the ridership. Well, and the first thing is they're working on this, on the route structure. Mm-hmm. And I think one hindrance to them getting a Clay Young on their on their <laughs> bus is, or one of the hindrances would be that to go from Blue Bonnet to downtown might take me all day. Well, it can't. I mean, you're and not going to ride. And that's you, what happens. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, they have to consider all that in the yeah. redesign. Yeah. And I believe that Bill... Uh, DeVille gets it. Yeah. I believe he gets it. Yeah. And I believe that there are people uh, who want to see him succeed, sure. not only here locally, but on the federal level when it comes to transportation. You believe he's the guy? Yeah, I mean, he's there, and I've talked with him, and so I believe he deserves a chance. Okay. Now, once again, I, t- I said to you, that window is short, yeah. you know, in terms of when that tax is up for so was it five years renewal. out, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. they've got a lot of work to do. It's a big assignment, but it's yeah. not insurmountable. It can be done. Um, I want to, a couple of other major things. Let's talk about, let's talk about crime. Let's mm-hmm. talk, you've talked in your mm-hmm. uh, campaign. And now as we build toward the day that you take office about the Baton Rouge police department mm-hmm. 
and some changes that you would like to see made. Why do you want Dabity to go? <laughs> well, uh, Clay, let me just say this, and I, I've said this consistently, and um, I've had a good conversation with the chief. It was, so you guys have you have we, met? Yeah, we okay. have met. Okay, uh, it was a positive conversation. It was a progressive conversation. I, I and I've said consistently. Um, and I could use some other adjectives, positive adjectives about the chief as well. I've said he's an honorable man. Mm -hmm. What I have shared with people during the campaign, and sometimes I feel like it got lost in translation, is that one of the major issues that we dealt with during this past summer was, of course, community and police relations. Um, One of the goals that we have to achieve is closing the gap between law enforcement and the citizens in our community. What we have to um, move towards is mutual respect, respect for the officers and officers respecting the citizens. We have a, a, a lot of good people in the Baton Rouge Police Department. Yep. Um, and and I, I, I don't deny that. But in order, the outcry that I have heard from the community almost as a mandate. And when I was on that campaign trail, Clay, I got a lot of outcries and mandates on a lot of different areas in our community, was that there's a, a, a surmounting concern about change taking place as it relates to our, our police department. And so in order for... Um, folks to understand that change is on the way. It's important that the change start with leadership. If the same leadership is there, then people will just brush me off and say, ah, she's not doing anything. And it's the same old, same old, if you will. The other part of that equation, Clay, is that when a new administration comes into office, it is not inconsistent to build your own team. People do that when they come into office. The president-elect is building his own team right now. And in fact, and of course, it's kind of apples and oranges, but the the principle is the same. The concept is the same. And so when, when, when a new administration comes in, they're is there will be undoubtedly changes because the leader is trying to build a team that that shows that well it's it's part of the change that's taking place and and so i don't think it's unreasonable for uh, a new administration to have changes that come, take sure. place with appointments that the mayor can make and uh, speak to people who feel like Chief Dabity is being that he has been targeted. Neither you nor Senator White <clears throat> spoke in terms of him being the person you wanted in the go forward. Neither one of you said at that final debate, or at least at the the, the second to the last mm-hmm. debate, that he was going to be the guy because you all you both spoke of him in past tense. But there are people who are saying you see it in some of the articles written, uh, you know, some of the shows about him being targeted that you targeted him no I I never in any of those conversations and any of my um, on the campaign trail it was never my intent nor did I I target the chief 
Mm-hmm. They, it, I believe that the reason that um, he was highlighted and while there have been so many uh, discussions is because of the high profile that law enforcement and uh, police reform has had in discussions in our community. Right. In fact, I, you know, the media, I can talk about, like I had a press conference to talk about the transition team to talk about the, what we were going to do with the transition team. And at the end of the day, the story that they took out of there had to do with the police chief. Well, the police chief was not the cornerstone of my uh, press conference. The cornerstone of my press conference was about transition teams, about the subcommittees, about the what the committees would be looking at. But all after all of that discussion around everything else, the only thing that seemed to dominate the press that day was, uh, are you going to have a new police chief? And so I say that to once again confirm that obviously, you know, the people are concerned, but obviously yeah. it's an issue, you know, for media. Or they and, want and, it to and be law an enforcement issue. and yeah. law enforcement. Yeah. A lot of the guys um, on in law enforcement are worried about what's going to happen. They don't know you. They don't know what your doctrine is going to be. And that's what we'll end with. So they're concerned about where everything is going to be headed. So then what do you say to the men and women who make up the police department that serves under your administration? I say to the men and women that make up the police department that will serve under uh, my administration that they should, they have nothing to fear that I believe their goals are in sync with my goals, and that is to serve our community with dignity, to serve our community uh, with with honesty, and and the same goals that I have, to understand the role of a public servant, and that is to serve the citizens. And I believe the majority of the police department certainly um, uh, believes that and wants to operate in that framework. Clay, I have so much on my plate. I, I am not going to be micromanaging the police department. Okay. But I will have someone there that's in sync. So so let's talk about the kind of chief that you will be looking for. Well, because I know that you, you talked yeah, about a national yeah, search, yeah. and to make everyone understand. Yeah. Well, let me go backwards first. Mm-hmm. You can't just fire Dabity. Because of civil service protections. Oh, I that. So then how and you guys have met and without without yeah. obviously betraying anything mm-hmm. that's confidential in your and his conversation, mm-hmm. then what will your plan be then? Well, let me just say this. I, I, I'm I'm not going to get into a long discussion about I understand. my conversation I understand. with uh, Chief Dabity. Uh, and I will reiterate that our conversation sure. was positive. Sure, he's a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. Yeah. And uh, so let's just talk about what kind of characteristics that I'm looking for in a chief. As now, hold we, on, as no, no, don't, don't jump ahead though. But what? what what do you do in the interim between him and the new chief? I mean, because again, mm-hmm. will he be reassigned? I mean, because th- those are those are things that uh, I prefer not to discuss right at this moment. I can I, I, I can yeah. respect that, but yeah. but but I just I wanted understand. to ask the question. Yeah, but yeah. Uh-huh. it is not my yeah, uh, into yeah, anything yeah. that's confidential. I get, yeah, but. Yeah. You can't just fire him, so there's going to have to be oh, some process. It's a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, will there be an interim? Well, you know, I'm gonna. You know, you know, we throw a high heat in here. You've done it. So, will there be an interim? Uh, it, 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 there could possibly be an interim, but that has not been discussed at length at all. 
at what point will you have that conclusion drawn that you will know what well, you will do? This is what, let me tell you this, Clay. This is what I can tell you that is very succinct okay. and uh, very insightful. I have established transition, a transition team, and I have established uh, various committees that will deal with the internal workings of city parish government mm-hmm. and one of those department one of those subcommittees will deal with public safety okay and so as i have said the transition team and the committee let's just talk about the committee on public safety which will include policing yeah will come back with recommendations to me as the mayor president that will take place at the end of January. But the decision is, is ultimately the, the, yours. The decision is ultimately yeah. mine, but I believe the process should work. There's okay. a reason that you have transition sure. teams. There's a reason that you have a transition committee. Mm-hmm. And so I want to hear from the Public Safety Transition Committee before we make uh, any additional pronouncements as it relates to uh, the police department. What has been your admonition to them about this not being political? Because I don't like the politi- I don't like the politicizing of law enforcement, and and it can happen on both sides. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that there there should be a place for that. So yeah. have you? How have you directed them yeah. to proceed? It, it, well, let me just say this: it has never been my intent sure. to politicize law enforcement. As I shared with you, and as you well know, uh, Clay, the whole issue surrounding police reform emerged because of some some of the incidents that took place, or that one particular incident that yeah. took place this summer, yeah. which uh, caused citizens some grave concerns, sure. and rightfully so. We understand that. But it's never been my intent to politicize the police department. If anything... It has been media driven. No question. In, in terms of the whole discussion surrounding uh, the police. But um, so, so my goal is to keep a steady course yeah. in terms of prioritizing the needs of the city and right. of this parish and to look forward to the recommendations that I will give uh, in terms of that I will get uh, in terms of public safety and the public safety uh, committee that exists. You know, one of the problems that exists because of a lot of the media discussions that is troublesome to me is twofold. One, it is that everybody in the inner city is a criminal. That is not the truth by any stretch. Amen. And or or that every person who wears a badge is a thug who just wants to kill black men. Amen. That too it's is not true. it's not true. And so now you've got both sides who have retreated to their corners, who don't talk to one another. Law enforcement feels they feel like they're being put upon all over the country by the media because stories are picked out and and it's it's pervaded that all law enforcement is they're they're all corrupt. And then the same is true in the inner city where Poorer people feel like they're treated like criminals uh, by the law enforcement agencies that are sworn to protect them. You got to build a bridge there, but it's got to be realistic and it can't be the most provocative people among the societies leading the dialogue because what does that accomplish? Mm -hmm. And so I'd like you to speak to that a little bit. I I agree with you. And I, I think people get that. I mean, I think the average citizen gets it. I mean, they understand that all police officers aren't bad. Right. And I would, uh, 
tend to believe that most police police officers think that all citizens aren't bad. That's right. And and so it's it's you know that's why I said it's very important to close that gap mm-hmm. between law enforcement and the and the citizens. Mm-hmm. You said it. Yeah. People have retreated to their corners. The law enforcement is one corner citizens. So the the issue is to find common ground and close the gap. Mm-hmm. And we can't close the gap if we don't have communication. Yeah. We can't close the gap if we don't recognize we have issues that yeah. we have to deal with. Sure. You know, we can't close the the gap if we don't understand that we have to look out for the well-being of the citizens as well as the well-being of the police. That's right. That's and right. so th- those those are common denominators that exist. There was a leadership void there for whatever reason from the office that you're about to undertake. And I mean, I'm not going to get into a whole lot right. of criticism of Kip. He's getting ready to leave the job. But there's, there was dialogue that could have taken place that never took place. And in this vacuum, it was filled with foolishness. And now you've got the issue because you're going in, you're choosing your administration, and and at the top of BRPD will be a new chief. Now the question of what kind of characteristics are you looking for in a new chief? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for someone who uh, believes that community policing should not just be a program, but should be an integral part of of of, uh, of of policing. Define community policing. Yeah, okay. Because I've seen it done well, mm-hmm. and I've seen it be a hot mess. Yeah. So how well, define com- community well, policing? Most community policing programs, well, I won't, no, that's a broad brush. Yes. I'm going to say that. Yes, you beat me to it. <laughs> a number of community policing programs are merely, are merely programs where you have two or three people or, you know, four or five people in a department, and that's community policing. Mm-hmm. Community policing should be a way of life and should be a part of a police department's mission. Okay. It should be a part of the mission. And but so what would it, it do? What would, yeah, this, what t- would these people uh, yeah, do? Yeah, these, these people will, these officers will build relationships with the uh, folks that they, the areas that they are dis, um, assigned to. Mm-hmm. Um, most police officers that are on the, a beat, if you will, sure. are assigned to certain areas within uh, our city and parish. Yeah. So it will be more than just staying in a car in an area. It will be building relationships with the people of the area that you uh, uh, that you are consistently going to. Give me a few examples. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know, I love to give this one example of uh, that hasn't taken place here in Baton Rouge, but in Arkansas where the police officer, um, let's just say his name was John Doe, goes into the community and um, on a regular basis, he's there, but he gets out of his car, he goes, he talks to folks, sits with some of the folks on the porch, builds a relationship, especially with the youth, which which I think is very important. Right. And then he leaves, he goes, he, he go, leaves, comes back uh, the next day, or the day after, and the youth in the community, they run to the car to Officer John Doe mm-hmm. because he's already been there and established a relationship. And as we talk about public safety, Clay, one of the reasons uh, community policing is so important because, as you well know, the equation of public safety has to include citizen involvement. Oh, yeah. I mean, police need citizens Citizens. who witness things to be able to speak up. And that's been a problem here for a great number of years, going back several, several Mm -hmm. police chiefs. What is the community's responsibility in this relationship? 
the community's responsibility is to uh, uh, build the relationship. Yeah. It, it, it has to be reciprocal. So they've got to be when open the police, to this. They have to yeah. be open to this. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, a good friend of mine uh, uses the term rules without relationships, you know. And so I don't think that uh, citizens are adverse uh, to uh, law enforcement enforcing mm-hmm. the law. Mm-hmm. It's uh, how you do it, right. and it's the relationships that need to be built. If 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 those rela- if community policing is becomes part of the fabric and part of the culture sure. of our police department, I believe it will certainly be a catalyst to uh, improve public safety and take it to a whole nother level. Does the new police chief have to be black? No. Okay. Does the, so does the new police chief have to be from the South? No. Okay. So because because the way that this works is a civil service board puts together a test, as you know, just for know. the benefit of the public. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a minimum score that all of the candidates who apply have to mm-hmm. uh, have to score. And then the mayor can select from the group of people who have passed. Mm-hmm. Kip previously did put together kind of an advisory board that conducted interviews and went through that mm-hmm. process. He didn't have to do that, but I think everybody concerned who's reasonable realizes that that was a smart move. Mm-hmm. It does get buy-in. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do something similar? I don't know how many people um, were on his advisory board, mm-hmm. but certainly I will, uh, before I make that decision, I would certainly uh, run that the candidate by a, a uh, inner circle of individuals um, to give their um feedback on. And and Clay, let me also say this, because I heard someone say this um, earlier when the whole issue around a national search came up. Yeah. Some people think that a national search excludes folks who are within the department already. Right. And that is not true. National is just a broad term. If somebody is in the department and they want to apply, they're more than welcome to apply. Right, right. So it's not being exclusive sure. to individuals here already. I will, just want to make Will that there clear. be any negative scoring against someone who is currently on Baton Rouge uh, Police Department's staff who may apply? That is not my intent. Okay. No, and and, and intent. so there won't be demerits against people who are already oh, in the current. Okay. Uh, let's t- Finally here, let's wrap up with a conversation about North Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been a big part of the ongoing discussion of last year. What has, and more importantly, what has not happened in North Baton Rouge. You can't make any promises today because you're not going to fix what's broken overnight and you're not going to put a Taj Mahal over there by February 1st. But there are expectations about what a broom administration will do. So then let's talk about North Baton Rouge. What's your vision? Well, let me say this as we start talking about North Baton Rouge. You know, throughout the campaign, Clay, I I consistently said that communities rise and fall together. Mm -hmm. And so... I I say that because as mayor, I certainly have to be concerned about this entire city and parish. So I want to say that first and foremost, because I think there's a little uh, concern out there. Well, is this just going to be a North Baton Rouge administration? Absolutely not. Yeah, you're going to run people over to St. George. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am the mayor as I said, you know, the night of my, uh, my election, I'm the mayor of the people from Scotlandville to Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. So all over the, implying all over the city and parish. Yep. But as as I said, 
communities rise and fall together. So we have to understand that if we have a pocket in our community that is at a significant deficit, in order for us all to thrive and prosper as a city and parish, we have to give that area attention. And so um, that is what I have talked about as we talked about North Baton Rouge revitalization. So here are some uh, um, uh, steps that I have consistently said and that we will be taking action on. First of all, I have mentioned the airport as a opportunity for employment and as an opportunity for business growth. Sure. Okay, what do I mean by that? The aviation business park can certainly serve, and we'll be dis- having this discussion, and probably some of this will come out of one of our recommendations from our economic development subcommittee that's on the transition team, and we have a North Baton Rouge revitalization subcommittee. So I'm sure they will have some recommendations as, as well. And so we look at the airport as an anchor and as an opportunity, especially the aviation business park, which recently was open. It could serve as an incubator for entrepreneurs. It could serve as a distribution site if we think creatively mm-hmm. uh, uh, for uh, around the country. Yeah. And that way we would have additional uh, jobs located there. Southern University, I believe, will play a significant role as an anchor institution yep. in terms of the whole dialogue of uplifting um, this uh, corridor of our parish. Fourthly, some low-hanging fruit that I think we can certainly implement um, uh, um, perhaps in the first quarter of my administration is a, um, is a uh, development of a Main Street market like you have yeah. in the downtown yeah. area. Yeah. I uh, went There's one in to, Bocage, too, isn't there? There's something they in may Bocage. Have, I don't, I'm not sure. Mid-City. There's Mid-city, a Mid-City. Yeah. 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 And so the reason why I say that is that we have a lot of opportunity, a lot of space mm-hmm. in North Baton Rouge. And so, it, and I said it's low-hanging fruit sure. because what I, I came up with, Clay, I think you'll like this, this is all you need is a tent and a talent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's you know, you it's don't. Vitri write that? No, I came up with that. I came up with that. I came up with that. when One day I went to Main Street Market uh, during the campaign and yeah. it was just, it was a rainy day. And I thought this was all so great. They moved from outside to inside the parking lot area mm-hmm. right adjacent to there. Mm-hmm. But everybody just had a, a little tent. Right. And then their wares, sure. you know, whether it was jewelry, whether sure. it was some food entity or whatever. And what do you t- talk, uh, talk about what that accomplishes when you get people there? Well, I think it certainly accomplishes synergy. I think it in- accomplishes getting people moving from one side of town to mm-hmm. another side, because one of the um, uh, one of my observations at the Main Street Market was there were people from all over the community. Sure. There were not just people from downtown patronizing mm-hmm. that Main Street Market. They were from all over the city and all over the parish. And so it's it, it, it gives oper, uh, it gives opportunity for entrepreneurs in the community yeah. to get a jump start. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be developments like a Perkins Row in Scotlandville or a town center. But you can have economic zones there because there's there's talent up there as well. As you mentioned, there's a university up there. But I don't I don't know what the dialogue needs to look like. And and I'm not going to presume or make assumptions about what it needs to look like. I do think that area deserves attention. I think you, you can't not think that it deserves attention. But 
how do you set re realistic goals, but also make certain that there is forward motion that just doesn't stop after six months of <clears throat> fanfare early on? Well, it's accountability, first of all. You know, not only will I hold myself accountable, okay. but the people, the citizens of the community will hold me accountable. And then it takes, better believe it. Yeah, the, it takes a mayor, and I'm going to be that mayor who is going to operate uh, uh, with consistency, who is going to persevere, who is going to be very intentional, and it's going to be very demonstrative in making sure that these changes take place. And let me say something. For example, you talked about earlier, and we didn't even get to talk about that, education, but the mayor has to Oh, no, to, it's coming. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said we were almost <laughs> no, finished. No, no. So, you know, the mayor has to be concerned about everything that impacts this city yeah. and impacts this parish. Yes. And so... Economic growth and development in the in that quarter impacts the city and impacts the parish and the citizens that live there. And so I'm going to have conversations with uh, developers in our community. Uh, I'm going to, you know, many of the develop developers in our community, a number of them, mm -hmm. have been blessed to uh, develop different projects because they've been. Uh, able to utilize tax increment financing sure, sure. and other creative forms of financing. Mm -hmm. So I am going to uh, ask them to be committed to making sure that development takes place and opportunities take place in the northern corridor of our parish as well. Uh, that's going to be a very serious conversation that I'm having. And let me just say, sure. use an example, Clay. And this person isn't a developer, but this person is a businessman. And I use him as an example because it's something that really struck me. Um, that is Todd Graves. Yeah. <clears throat> Todd Graves has a footprint, if you will, throughout this city in terms of his Raising Cane store. Yeah. He had to be very intentional mm -hmm. in terms of putting a store mm -hmm. on Plank Road yep. in North Baton Rouge. That's right. I don't know. I, I We've talked, but I haven't asked him if, if, you know, I don't think it's his largest money-making store. I don't know which store it is. But Todd did that because he had a commitment as a businessman sure. to have an imprint throughout this city. Yeah. He, he's a pretty special guy. Yeah. yeah. And so we need that kind of intentionality yeah. and that type of commitment from the business community right. to be committed to have an imprint throughout the city and parish. You know, uh, I was going to mention we got, I know you got a, a, something else to get to here. I, I attended this uh, thing that Hiller does with Brave last week. Mm -hmm. And we got to get young black men to stop killing one another. And I think one of the ways to do that is to get them to fall in love with their purpose. And a great avenue for that is education. And here's how we dovetail into a conversation about education. Got to catch them early. Before we talk about LSU, Southern, Southeastern, wherever, we got to get them to be in love with the elementary school that they're attending. And that takes innovation, you know, intellectual innovation mm -hmm. as well as technology in a classroom that grabs a kid mm -hmm. how do you cheerlead that process well, how you, do you get that you, you said it you said it first of all i have to be the cheerleader well yeah because <laughs> as mayor to, president yeah, you don't have exactly. any force of power yeah, yeah. i have to be the cheerleader uh, and and what you said was so on point I'm, i could almost just reiterate exactly what you said so this is what we have to do we have to um, have conversations, and I know I say that a lot, but sure. communication is obviously a void that exists. And so we, we let me just say this. We, I'm, I'm going to ask the faith-based community to step up to the plate more. 
In what regard? In, in the regards to the future of our African-American males and their purpose, as you stated. Uh, you know, Raymond Jetson has the Metromorphosis uh, nonprofit, and under that nonprofit is uh, one of the umbrellas under there is the Urban Congress on African American Males that has been making a, a that has been bringing folks from throughout the community together from all walks of life to talk about setting an agenda to empower and save many of the African American males that are going down you know, a wrong path. They're killing each other. Yeah. And so, uh, but a lot of that, a lot of that takes place. Uh, I believe, it, you know, the faith-based community has to be involved in it because that, Clay, a lot of that is a lack of regard for self and for life, you mm-hmm. know, the, the devaluing of life, no matter who you are. Sure. And so uh, that is, that's an inside job for many individuals. Mm-hmm. For many individuals, it means mentoring, you know, my, and, and it means going the extra mile, like, you know, my husband and a group of guys, sure. they consistently mentor some young men, mm-hmm. you know, Saturday after Saturday. And so it takes those type of initiatives uh, taking place. Because these boys a, often don't have fathers right, around or right, any positive male right. role And so you've got to provide that. Yeah. And so that means that we have to what you know, what we see going on in our community in terms of the deaths, it it should be a, a call um, for those of us who can help mm-hmm. to say, I want to be involved. We've got to do something about this. Sure. It, it means that we have to be more involved in the education of some of these young uh, young men. And kids in general, and not, kids just, in general. not just kids young in black general. males, kids but children in general. In general. Yeah. yeah. And let me, let me talk about a program that I thought about the other day, and I was like, this would be great if we could have a footprint like this in more schools. Years ago, um, Urban Restoration Enhancement Corporation, URAC, yeah. URAC, under the leadership at that time of, of my dear uh, best friend who passed away, Ronnie Edwards, yeah. um, found a model called Security Dads that was taking place in Indiana. Yeah. She brought Security, the security Dads concept to Baton Rouge. Right. They started out at Glen Oaks High yes, School. I remember. These dads, many of them worked at Exxon right. on their time off, yeah. would come and they would have a presence yep. in that school yep. where their where their sons or daughters mm-hmm. went to school. Mm-hmm. We need more of that taking place. Yeah. And that's the truth is it doesn't cost the taxpayers any money. Right. It and and um you know, sociologists and educators have always talked about the value of parental engagement yeah. in a school. And I believe there are men who would volunteer to do that. I believe there yeah. are, too. Yeah. You know, and, and certainly um, so we, we need more programs sure. like that sure. implemented into our school. We need the and one of the things that I'm going to do as mayor president, I'm going to have what. I believe is the first in the history of Baton Rouge, I'm going to have a joint meeting of the school board and the Metro Council to talk about education goals for our city and our parish. Wow. And so while I recognize that I have no authority, you have two very um, influential policy bodies. Yes, and that's important. I mean, they all represent people. And they represent people. So it doesn't, I I agree. education is a top Concern Absolutely. of people in our city. It's one of the reasons East Baton Rouge Parish 
has lost population to Ascension and Livingston, and why Baton Rouge proper has lost population to Zachary and Central, the school system. And so while <clears throat> Warren Drake is working hard to fix it and he can't fix it overnight, let's understand it. Around us are better school systems, and so they draw the young couple with their first child who buy their first home across our parish's border, and they take their money that they earn in Baton Rouge back to Livingston or Ascension. And so you're, you're absolutely right. Listen, I want you to get, and the, hopefully I'll get you to come back because we can talk. There's so many things we didn't get to, but I don't want to monopolize your time. Uh, the Broom Doctrine, I said I would end with that. For people who are wondering what your vision for your administration is going to be over the next four years, what is it? Well, my vision, I believe, is the vision that uh, I recognized during the course of my campaign as I traveled from all different areas of this city and parish, and that is to build and lead a community where we all uh, feel safe, where we all feel that we have an opportunity to thrive and prosper, uh, and where people can earn a living, pay their bills, and maintain their dignity. A place where people are proud to say, this is my home. And so while that is the big vision, there are pillars under that vision, many of them which will be discussed during the, uh, our time of transition mm -hmm. that help support the big vision, all of the different transition subcommittees that are taking place, whether it's from the internal workings of public safety, of DPW, of uh, Homeland Security, or, yeah. whether, or whether whether um, it's uh, the subcommittee on uh, race relations. Yeah. All of that, all of those different subcommittees will feed into the big vision of building a city and a parish where everyone's proud to call their home and to make sure that we have people who represent all the demographics of the city and parish at the table. Mayor-elect Sharon Weston-Broom, thank you for coming in with me. Thank you, Clay. I'll be back. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast. 225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. There you have it. Mayor-elect Sharon Weston-Broom talking about what she hopes to accomplish as the, as the next mayor president of East Baton Rouge Parish in the city of Baton Rouge, and you can come to your own conclusion about her positions. She was able to tell you candidly what she wants for the city and speak on a great number of subjects. I'd love your feedback. You can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR or comment on Facebook backslash ClayYoung, or you can email me directly here at Clay at podcast225.com. That's Clay at podcast225.com. Until next week, you guys have a safe and Merry Christmas, and we'll, we'll catch you next week here on The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.